Season one of Game of Thrones. Tonight we're going to talk about episode four, Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things. And we're caught up. I'm frosty on this. I just watched this tonight. This is where we should be with every episode. So we can't be, I don't know, did this or I can't, did it, when did it happen? That's where we get thrown off of everything. These retrospectives of things. If not, even though I try to take notes on everything. Well, you'll lead me because I might still be off. <laughs> <laughs> I had I'm half watched one of these last week and I watched the rest of it tonight a little bit so but I don't remember that's so. like trying to do stuff with Brooks he's like it's been like two years since I watched it but okay let's talk about it yeah. why are there boobs in this I mean why are there so many boobs on television like, you're not in our demographic Brooks sit down you obviously don't understand what makes things awesome why do you hate freedom yeah, what do you have against America? <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. <laughs> so, so this, I can't remember. that. This is the first scene that I remember that had the three eyes, the three-eyed raven in it. There's like this dream sequence that Bran yeah, it must be. goes into. But where he just sees it. It's very visual in the show, but, but in the, it's weirder in the book because it actually talks to him and it's like trying to teach him how to fly and things like that when he's when he's like doesn't wake up for so long after his fall when he's basically in a coma it's like the, the crow comes and talks to him right. and then when he wakes up he realizes he's not flying he can't even walk and like it's mad at the crow yeah I mean they just can't do that in the show that'd be ridiculous bro <laughs> well it goes back to the my Peter Jackson thing. It drives me nuts how there, there's this big backlash in people making fantasy film and television where this idea of talking animals they think is ridiculous. Like everything else, perfect sense. But if, if, if a bird talks, then forget it. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess they just try to make it a little more... I mean, because it's definitely more poetic when you don't do that, and it's just more inferred, I guess. I mean, it, it's more understandable in the book, but... Well, you, the, the, having an internal sort of monologue, being able to tell it as a visual story in the TV show 
does make it a little bit more powerful. Right. Whereas in a book, you can sort of – you have to use words more in prose because the, that's how you're telling the story is, is you're describing things to a reader. Yeah, where it can't it, hit you like it does. Visual things yeah, can't Yeah, in visual medium, like... it's more abstract. Yeah, they're right. describing things with pictures. So the, you want to hold back because if you have these weird, interesting visual elements and then a crow is like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> like it can really throw off what was otherwise a powerful image. Like, holy hell, it's a talking bird. Yeah, exactly. But in a book, you know, when you're just describing it, like you're, the, the reader's imagination will, will transform it into something credible within the context of the story they're reading. Yeah. So I do get that. I did, Sometimes it torques me a little bit, though, in, in the case of, like, The Hobbit and things like that. But, but so far in Game of Thrones, it's okay. But, and then... We, we haven't seen much of Theon. Theon starts to play into this this scene in Winterfell as like, because first he comes up and and he's basically commanding Bran to come downstairs, and Hodor shows up and he's carrying him down, right, to the stairs, and then that's where Tyrion. We talked about this in the last episode where Tyrion has sort of invented this this these saddle that'll work for him and really you see how smart Tyrion is because he has no idea it's not like I've seen this before and like he just it invented this weird little he's like Leonardo right, da Vinci right like try the, and he's like fully confident you'll just have to train the horse from day one to blah 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 like he has no idea this will work but he's very confident did he just do it I mean I, does it make clear in the book that he wrote that up while he was at or did he just have these plans for this weird saddle yeah. with them at all times? See, my assumption, I don't remember the book elaborating on this any more than the, the, the show does, but my assumption is that he just whipped this thing up. It's like, I've got an idea. This will work. Yeah. Give that to your blacksmith. Mm-hmm. And you will ride. So, like, what is going on? But I like that because this scene is really important for Tyrion because we're seeing Rob play Lord. Right, but, but also Lord suspects the Lannisters of betraying them at that point. Yeah, but the, but they can't do anything because he's just being really nice to them. So right. he's like, well, very well, we will extend our courtesy to you. It's like, too late. There's a bed in like, a brothel. Yeah. I'll stay there. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> where I'm more welcome, basically. Right. It's like you, you see that Tyrion not only has a keen eye for recognizing insincerity and hypocrisy, but he has a thorough dislike for both. Because he just showed up to actually show his concerns. He has no idea that he's suspected of anything. Right. And they just all of a sudden are just being real assholes to him. He's like, oh, okay, maybe you should learn the Lord's courtesy if you're going to play the Lord. Right. And he means that. And you see that that is an extension of that when he's outside talking to Theon. And that's where you learn a little bit about Theon's backstory. They hint at the, the... He's a captive, they say. Like, we don't know why or exactly what's going on, but, but he's just poking at Theon. Of the Iron it's Islands. Like, you turned out to be quite the collaborator, didn't you? Following your captors around. Because Theon is just like John. It's like you've gotten comfortable with all these, these, these privileges that the Starks have because they're noble. Right. To the point where you think of yourself as one of them. Whereas John really is more or less, but but Theon feels that way because they attempted again. We could probably say this because we'll we, they'll get into a little bit more, but they never fully just outright state what's going on with Theon. And basically, yeah, they, he's like a hostage this of the Yeah, 
and all that came down to again with Ned's honor in order to ensure that uh, that the Greyjoys would not rebel again against the kingdoms basically Ned took the the son right. the eldest son or like the last remaining son there's no eldest the other his brothers are dead but basically took him as as assurance and took him as ward in his own mind. He's like, I'll take him as my ward. I'll raise him as one of my own. And that's and it's a wash. <laughs> like, right. I'll just treat him well and everything's fine. But ultimately, like, you kidnapped this this kid and stole him away from his family. And Greyjoy, like, but they, Theon is assimilated, but... but yeah, but he does treat him good. And he, and he amounts to much later on. I mean, that's a spoiler, but you get the impression... That they didn't, that they, they treat him like they don't. They treat him like a normal ward and not like a hostage ward. You know what I mean? Oh They're yeah, not, that's exactly the way. Like that, they wanted. That's his idea of honor. It's like I'll raise him simply as one of my own. Like there's no way. He just can't do that. Yeah, he can't do anything less than that. Because I mean, he's just not like. And the only reason John might have gotten a weird treatment is because of Catelyn. You know what I mean? If Catelyn well, exactly. wasn't in the picture, he would have been just like his son. You know. Which he was in every other respect yeah. because all of just his siblings loved of him. And, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it just became this weird thing where he just basically alienated John and Catelyn both with that action. Right. So so we get to see a little bit more of, of Theon through that scene. And then when we come back to Castle Black, that's where we run into Samwell. Is he entirely? Is that... Yeah, is that his last name? So I that's so. the family that he's with. It should be but Tarly. Is it Tarly? Tarly. Yeah. But he's a fun character because basically he's like Samwise. Yeah, I mean, why are they all <laughs> named Samwise or Samwise? Sam, Sam is like just the <laughs> like he's goofy. He's obviously, like an that. analog of that character. But he's a fun one, and this is very similar to the book. But but it's fun because. They all have this classical sense of honor, and well, he's the piggy in the like, Lord of the Flies. Kind he's of thing. Ridic- yeah, he's yeah. definitely that. They even like later on they call him piggy. They do right. here. They, they do in this episode too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they call him piggy. Like I'm gonna make the piggy squeal. It's like okay, gross. Yeah. Have you but, seen Deliverance, guys? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where have you been living? But but so we see this first scene where he basically just doubles over and cries the second they start hitting him, uh, yeah. and and he says, "Why didn't you get up and fight?" And Sam's just like, "I'm a coward." Yeah, but he's I and mean, that's like instantly likable though because you can't, you well, know, because you mean? can't argue that. And that's yeah. in the book. He's so honest. The, they say craven in the book. That's what they call you when you're a coward in the book. Right. Like I guess they just make it a little bit more understandable in the dialogue. Right. But, but John is just kind of blown away by Sam in the book when he admits to being craven because it's like, that's something you'd rather die than say. And they're like, you know, him admitting that is actually a more fundamental act of bravery. Right. Because I would never admit to someone, even if I thought it was true, I would never admit to someone that I felt like a coward. So Sam actually has a certain courage of character, and that's what, that's what John really likes about him right away well because he's just totally honest he's he's not like he and he's also not trying to scheme or anything he's just totally honest with what he is yeah and his backstory comes out later on in this episode but and that's pretty much straight out of the book sarah piggy that's what they call him sarah piggy 
I love that. I like, but also before we get back before that, isn't it the first scene with them that they actually, um, you know, he's like kind of stands up for him with that 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 Sir Alistair, whatever he or Thorn, whatever he. Yeah. They put them all against John. And yeah, he's like, exactly. He's, he's like, but you start to see that he actually is very capable. I mean, you already saw that, but they just keep proving it, and they, this is even you get more. to see where yeah. where Thorne actually literally hates him because you know on the one hand, and we don't see nearly as much of this in the show. There's scenes in the book because Tyrion just pokes at him mercilessly. Right, right. Because Tyrion loves to just screw with this guy because he is not a good guy. He's not just trying to strengthen him and in the book he's you really feel like that, that proves how good of a guy Tyrion is like that's why he's poking at yeah him. that when he sees he... a bully he just immediately right. wants to strike out at that bully right but and I'm we like... see that over and over again in the show it's like that's something because of where Tyrion comes from you know being an imp like he is it's like he really just can't stand to see a bully at work but I love that scene though. That <laughs> this is that gives like the, the the comedy. The only comedy of some of these episodes is John and them up there in a way because his friends, his new friends, start to take him on. Like what is Kip or what is his friend's name? I don't know. Wait, wait. Yeah, whatever. His Pip. Name. One of them's name is Pip. Pip. Yeah. But the other one, the bigger one, and he, John's like, dumb do one. You, you really want to do this? He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, and they still have to attack him. And he like breaks his nose, kind of. He's like, dude, I'm sorry. Like. That's the funniest, yeah, where he just goes and, after the others with Ghost. And that's why Thorne hates him even more, you know what I mean? Because it's like, it's because it's like he still beats everybody. I mean, John, he just well, hates John from the beginning. Just because he hates him because it comes from a lordly background, which is he, funny because John, like I said, where John came from, he wasn't a lord, he was a bastard. And then he comes amongst bastards and he's a lord. He can't win for losing. Anywhere he goes, he just doesn't fit. But he also hates him like more, I mean... I mean, Tyrion's the only one that teaches him a lesson that he needs to help these people, but that he's not teaching them that lesson. Like, John is, like, their best recruit probably in the last 20 years. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, since and he's Benji. just trying to break him down. Yeah, and for no reason. He, like, he needs him, to be yeah. breaking these other guys down because he, he's pretty good. Like, he wants to serve. He has the same attitude. He acts just like Benji does. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a weird thing that he – but, it, I mean, it's just because he's, I guess, jealous or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's a spiteful man. He's just an ass. <laughs> yeah. But then we go back to the Dothraki, and then now we hear a little bit more of Jorah's backstory because we were talking about that before. How we were telling Brooks about why he's broke and why he was selling people into slavery, and and he doesn't tell that story here, but he does say, "I have wife, a, a wife who basically spent all my money." That's when she asks him what's going on with all that. It's like, well, I had an expensive wife, so of course I had to sell people into slavery. It's like, oh, okay, that that is okay. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. I myself was sold into slavery to my husband, but now I love him. So I see how that is perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's as good as any man behaves in this show. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like we honorable is like it's a it's object subjective term. I mean Ned's the only one, but it's to a fault as well. You know that's later on. But like the fact that he's a good guy, you just kind of. I mean I don't know. That's why the show's so good and the actors and the casting they did is so good because you really see that people. I mean despite yeah. their actions, they have pretty good. Well, it's good really people. Like if you watch, if you in D and D terms, Ned would practically be like a lawful neutral, right? Because like, he's a good heart in 
in, in a good man, but a good person wouldn't do all of the things that Ned does. But he believes in honor and order and following rules. And most everybody else is just chaotic good. They're just like the Han Solo. I mean, in the more sense that like they're still protect themselves. You know, Jorah will protect himself yeah. and do that stuff. He'll do what he needs to do. But he's also a good guy. And like, I guess I don't know. I mean, what, well, it's hard to say. I think Tyrion might be a chaotic good because because oh, yeah, he doesn't care he, about the establishment yeah. at all. But at at the base of his character is a very strong sense of morality that I think is stronger than than what we see in Ned. Yeah, Ned has a lot more moral compromises based on what his honor demands of him. Tyrion has no demands of honor. He simply follows his moral compass wherever it might lead him. Yeah, and it's only to protect the people. Like, he won't hurt innocent people. You know, he won't, you know. Yeah, his family honor is the only thing that compromises that. Like, that's he is the only loyal thing to that, his family. And that's his only weakness, and that's mm-hmm. into season yeah, two. We'll, we'll get to that. It's, it's what really <laughs> compromises character. Yeah. But... But yeah, so that's an interesting thing to think about in terms of the, the motivations of these different characters. And then we like we have to have a, a sex scene with dialogue, so that's where we cut to Danny's brother who's in the bath oh, yeah. with the slave girl. And the exposition is to explain the history of dragons a little bit and, and where well, they every went scene. and why they don't have them <laughs> and all that. But if I'm going to go into this lengthy exposition, then we're going to have a little humpy hump going every on. Every scene. I said this and we did drama. If you're listening to this in order, I say it because I re-listened to our season three, <laughs> and I had that theory that I was working on, and it's totally true. Anytime there's a scene that is not advancing the plot but is only giving exposition, there are boobs in it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I'm that like is Brooks is like I'm pure not pure genius. Not, yeah, it's, it <laughs> I is think that pure works genius. exactly. <laughs> like I don't have a problem. With, I mean, it's but that's because it really exactly. does. Where he's like telling you about dragon skulls, and she's like just grinding. I'm like, oh really? There's almost no. I mean, except for a couple of those first scenes with Daenerys where she is naked. There's almost no. There are almost no scenes that where there where there's nudity that it, that it's not advancing the like. It's not it, an exposition scene. You know what I mean? And it, I think it's perfectly normal to assume that people are deeply engaged in conversation while in the middle of having sex. Just in the anyway, this yeah. other time, just like just in the bathtub. It's like really tell me about the history of like whatever. Like really dragons. okay. Tell me about yeah. She's turned on by dragons. So this thing's pretty close to becoming a dragon erotica right there. It's pretty Her close. Her character could be easily transplanted into one yeah. of those kind of stories. <laughs> or his character. He is the dragon, you know. So, I know. I mean, Let me awaken the dragon. But he's such a dick in that scene, too, because she's doing that and he's doing that. He's so horrible, <laughs> and then he yeah. he just turns on her. Like, what am I paying you for? It's one of those <laughs> things that just shows you what a, just, what a pointless person he is. Because he's like, you made me feel emotion, stupid idiot girl. Yeah. Like, Jesus, what a dude. Get to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that happens. All right, and then we go back to King's Landing, and then Sansa's being taking a tour of the of the throne room. And what's her name? I forget the lady who takes care of her. her um, wet nurse. I don't know what her, her name nanny. Is. Yeah. Is walking around, and she's just worried that she's gonna have nothing but girl babies and be hated. She is like just a, just a silly girl, because it's like of all the things that are going on, she's afraid that after she becomes queen, she won't be able to create an heir, well, and people but won't like her. But but that's also like I think that's an interesting scene because I mean, 
all these scenes, they don't you don't understand people's point of view and perspective on what they're worried about. And yeah, she is worried about that. But I mean, but for her, I mean, to to defend her in a little bit is that that's that's her only responsibility. You know what I mean? And so like, mm-hmm. if you had one, like, <laughs> it kind of shows you that <laughs> we have stress because we have jobs, we have bills, and we have whatever we got to do. You know, have children or whatever you have to do. But it's like you take away all of that you'll still worry about your one responsibility. And her one responsibility is to have a boy child. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even anything else. It's like, that's what she's got to do as a queen. Yeah, but she's still basically rooted in wanting Joffrey to like her. But she's, that's what's so weird. And like you said, it's like, I mean, she play, she's 16, 17, 18 on the show. But she's 11. And all but the dialogue. But in the story. And, 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 but and the, it the makes dialogue, more sense. Yeah, the dialogue's the same, though. So it's like, yeah, she's... she's what an eleven-year-old would say, and it totally makes sense. I yeah, mean, it, that's one of the problems with making the show the way they do. Is well, like dialogue does seem like that's <laughs> no, I don't want that. I don't. I don't really want it in the book either. But there it is. But also, it's. I mean, it's true to you know royal stuff and medieval stuff, and but well, yeah, and courtly love and all that really right. did work that way. But it's it makes more sense in that in through that kind of prism. You're like, oh yeah, she's eleven. All I was yeah. doing is playing Nintendo she at is 11. A dumb you know? girl, yeah. <laughs> I was dumber than she was at 11, so I don't know <laughs> if I would have cared about anything beyond whatever at that point. But it's just mm-hmm. interesting because you see, like, and you see the throne room and you see the pressure on her, though, so. And we see the small council at work again planning for the tournament that Ned does not want that is supposedly in his honor. The tournament that he canceled, but it's still going forward. Yeah, so we already see that, that that he's not even able to perform the function that he was brought there to do because it's like Robert brought him there to be the voice of reason and make these decisions, and he's already just superseding him in all those decisions. So, so here we go on that. But then after that, there's an important scene because he fall. He asked he asked, and Maester Pycelle. Yeah, this gets that whole plot going, which is interesting. Here's my question about this scene. The, the, I know what you're the, about to say, but go ahead. <laughs> the, the insinuation is that Maester Pycelle actually poisoned John Yes, Aaron. but why would he give him evidence? Why would he actually <laughs> tell him the real book that John Aaron was investigating if that was the reason that he and was And why would he say murdered? his last words, which are the yeah. total clue of that? Yeah, it doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, which are actually why – I mean, so you almost have to assume that, that – Oh, my God, we are actually – criticizing a plot point of game of thrones this is the first i think well this (laughs) goes into what we were saying earlier is like they introduce these interesting mysteries and then the story overtakes them and then we never see the resolution of the those these little mysteries but it you know if this is just a plot device that gets ned on on that then it then it's pretty weakly put together because unless we're saying that that maester picelle did not poison John Aaron and and that something else happened to him then he has no reason to actually divulge all of this information to Ned that leads him exactly on the same trail that John Is Aaron it, was it on. happened the exact same way in the book I don't I don't remember I mean exactly it wouldn't make more sense for Varys to do this it would make way yeah. more sense for Varys to do this part yeah exactly and it could have happened the same scene because it was after the small council meeting and Varys is in the small council. Yeah, and, and, and the whole implication later on that is that Pycelle isn't an idiot and that he's, like, playing everybody. So it doesn't make any sense why he would do it. Maybe, but you know what? Maybe he 
the the other the explanation of that is maybe that he is leading him to his doom in a way. You know, maybe he wants him to go down that path because you know he's not going to find anything, but he you know he's just going to put himself in more danger. That could be, you know, yeah, play out. Because I would like to know more about that. As that like, that's but, the only explanation that makes sense because he's not an idiot. So I mean, he must. And it's not a, it's, but it's also, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's obvious. You know what I mean? This whole mystery. This mystery is the dumbest mystery because you just figure it out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Well, it's a, it's as, it, it's as heavy-handed a plot device as you can give someone, where he literally says, "Here's this book, the lineage and history of the great houses of the seven kingdoms, with descriptions of every lord and lady." <laughs> and like, the seed wow. is strong. Yeah, this is yeah. This sounds like something that I could easily work this is my a, way now, through. Now you're making me. This is bad. We're like starting to question this whole fabric of this. I think because yeah, well, I, because even, I do think this is the weakest story point. Because even yeah, I mean, because but I mean, I guess John Aaron loved those boys. He loved Ned and, and he loved Robert a lot because he raised them basically. He was like their surrogate father, right? Because he was yeah. So, I mean, I guess he would say the seed is strong, but it's so weird because that that statement feels like it's something you'd say for this thing that's for the Targaryens or something, you know? It's like, he's just the first of this. What do you mean talking about what seed is strong? It's like, it doesn't... Well, they, 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 I his, think his rule feels so flimsy. The clue the, there is he's trying to say that, that all of Robert's children basically look just like Robert. Right. So, yeah, the ones that don't, right, right. the assumption is they're not. You know, that's – but it is funny that – So he's saying like, that he has powerful ejaculate <laughs> that, that, that will turn all the kids' yeah. hairs black. Might as well gone. be making them babies by himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're just they're – just, he might as well be asexual because they're just coming out just like him. It's <laughs> a fact. And that's exactly what he's saying, so that's where the whole thing goes. That's a, That's very chauvinist thing to say i think I'll I'll, that's, I'll 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 speak for brooks in this episode <laughs> yeah i don't want to sound sexist i don't want to sound like we need more qualifiers to everything we say if we want to speak for brooks i don't want to get anybody to get the wrong impression of me like, all right calm down brooks don't take it poorly that you got fired from the show after one episode <laughs> <laughs> Which is not true. He's a, he's gotten busier and he hasn't been on the same. He's a busy man. Forever. We're the losers that have a lot of time. That's all it yeah, is. For real. <laughs> hey, we make the time. He's busy, yeah. but we but but we make the time because it's important to the people. Yeah, the people of the realm. The realm is the only thing that's it's important to us. For the good of the realm is what we the do. TV ate my dinner. Realm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. And, and there's fun. a little scene with Arya and Ned that actually is telling because they're going over her water dancing lessons and all this stuff. But you can see the disparity between what traditionally – because Ned thinks she's going to kind of outgrow this stuff. Cause yeah, because he he's like, oh, oh you'll, you'll marry a lord, lord and yeah. be the – like run his house and all that. And she's just like point blank, that's not me. It's like, are you an idiot? Have you listened to anything I've yeah. told you for the past 10 years of my life? Why are you, why are you patronizing me with all these – with with these sword lessons, if you really think that's what's going to happen, but so that that's interesting. But she's happy. This is the happiest. She's happy. Yeah, that you'll ever see her. <laughs> <laughs> this is the happiest you'll probably see most of these characters. So if it seems grim now, 
Yeah, that much will tell you for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, this, that might be winter is coming with yeah. the exception of Joffrey. <laughs> no one says. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess one way or the other. Well, he's always miserable. Even like Joffrey. Ned, they're always miserable. Those kinds of people are always yeah. miserable. But Joffrey is one of those people that's always scowling anyway, so it's hard to say. But Arya, the bit of her that's, I mean, if you think about it, she's the last happy person on the show right now. Because everybody else is just like crippled or they're captured or they're whatever. Yeah, she's a little kid. Yeah, we don't see their little, little brother. I can't even remember his name. But uh, Rickon. Rickon, that's right. Yeah. They, he barely – he's in the book more. I, I Actually, I think the first time I watched a show before I read the books, I didn't even realize they had a little, little brother. Well, I didn't he doesn't, know he he doesn't speak until like the end of season three. He has and one line. And like, who's this little kid that's walking around with him? It's like, I was like, holy hell, he spoke. What, the... what is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a decoration. <laughs> well, that's the same with the Lannister, like Brooke said in the last episode, the two – they don't yeah, speak. The I don't little, think they little, speak at all. The little little kids, there's not much character to them. They are just there as part of the story. Well, little kids got thoughts. They got feelings. But Rickon does play more of a role in the books because you know he gets a wolf too, and and for whatever reason they let him train it exactly. All the wolves are reflections of their owners. So and they let him name Shaggy, Shaggy Dog. Dog. Yeah. is his, and it is just a wild animal because it's yeah. being trained by a two-year-old. <laughs> of course, the most dangerous animal that we found in the Seven Realms. We're just going to leave it in the hands of this two-year-old to train it, a and mythical, it's always biting people beast. and losing its shit. Yeah. <laughs> Because it doesn't care at all. It's a, it's a two-year-old <laughs> spirit animal. So, so there you go. Shaggy dog. Shaggy dog. The last of the dire wolves, and that's its name. Yeah, really. Well, I guess it's better than Lady. Oh, Lady's a it's a it's a elegant name. It's a refined. Who is actually the run of the litter? For at some point, I think someone no, was. No, I saying, think like, Ghost is Ghost the run of the litter. But, I thought. But Lady is the runt. If I remember correctly from the books, it's Ghost is like an albino. He's like white, so he's different, but he's not the runt. Oh, I don't that's think. interesting. So that lady. says a lot too then about Yeah, that. I think all of these wolves perfectly represent so their masters. So it's Ghost, it's Grey Wind, because that's a good Rob. Grey Wind, yeah, that's Rob. Nymeria is a cool name, I think, for mm-hmm. Arya, because that kind of sounds like her name too. It's a weird name, Arya. And that's all they went. Bran is just mad because he can't think of a name for his wolf, and everyone has come up with all these cool ones. Yeah, and Summer, which is a kind of a poignant name too, though actually. Yeah, so. it's a very optimistic name, and he names him after after he saves his life from the would-be assassin. So it's important to the story. He doesn't right, because he didn't think of the name until that happens. Because he's hope, basically. Yeah. So that's a neat thing too. Well, he's basically him too. I mean, that's we're getting way ahead of ourselves, so. Well, right. it, it's hard to to not update this theory without, you know, it, we have to sort of incrementally keep reminding people of it. But but this idea of all the Stark children having these direwolves and raising them as their own, I mean, it perfectly reflects what's going on with these characters and, and their arc. So you you can tell what's going to go down with with a Stark by seeing the state of their wolf. Right. And, yeah, that's the thing. That's an interesting interesting thing if you haven't watched I mean if you're at this point in just the first season that is a truth it's not a spoiler because it's always interesting how that yeah because we're not it. telling you what happens but watch the wolves but yeah I mean, watch that's... the wolves because that's an interesting thing to watch because it'll always kind of tell and start to you know give pointers or just give hints of what's going to happen to their owner 
Yeah, and a lot of times it happens at the same time anyway, so you can't spoil yourself anyway because by the time uh, yeah. you've seen the fate of the wolf, you've seen the fate of their master and as well. And in later cases, it happens after. Yeah, it's, it, it, they're the spirit animals. They really are. I mean, we always say this, but it's, mm-hmm. it's such a neat idea. It's such a cool idea. I think it's idea. a really cool idea because it's so perfectly – like I remember you know, when we first started saying that, I was like, oh, wait, the stag and the wolf. It's like, well, wait a second. This is a portent of everything that's going on with the – with the rest of the story it's like yeah and we laid it out in like the first scene yeah and the only reason the lions would be ridiculous in the world that's the only reason there are no lions in the <laughs> yeah it would be weird that well, is a weird also real... I that actually a... think that that is sort of poignant too because the Lannisters chose the lion as their sigil because lions are pretty and noble looking but they would never actually have lions. There's Isn't no way a, a weird idea even handle though? a lion. Isn't that a weird idea though? Because lions are from Africa in our real world. You know what I mean? And there's no like, there's no indication that lions exist in that world. But their We've sigil is a lion. You know well, what I mean? That's kind of. I funny, think it's I just think. in the case of when they were choosing an aesthetic, they they picked these things that were actual standards in in our world that oh, we would this recognize. This is the whole Planet of the and, Apes thing. And, and you this see is... lions like like Richard the Lionheart. You see lion being a sigil the, of a house. Well, in, I understand that because it's, it's contextual to our world, but to their world, yeah. there are no lions in their world. So it's kind of a strange choice. Yeah, I think. we assume there are lions. They're just not running into them. But I do think that it's more interesting because it's the choice of a paper tiger as their symbols. Like lions are cool, so that's our sigils. Like, but you could never be in a room with a lion. Whereas right. the Starks have their own personal dire wolves as and pets. it makes yeah, and it makes everybody nervous because of that. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Like, because they really are. So it's like the Starks are definitely for real, and the Lannisters They're are street. bullshit. They're street. Yeah, <laughs> we're straight street. When I have a, you see a wolf on my shirt, that means I got a wolf around here. Yeah, there's three wolves howling at the it's moon like, on my shirt. Yeah, if you got it's a lion on your shirt, that's because you think lions are pretty. But you're a lion in the same sense that that shirt is a lion. That is funny because the rest of the houses are like – I don't know if a lot of them are like so like a mascot. You know, Most of them like the, the other ones. Yeah, like, like some of them like fish and stuff. They have like a flower and they have like, two towers like and they have the like – The trout. And they have the flayed man and that's a weird – and that's the other issues. It's a good yeah. bad. But like – and they had like a giant, and then none of them were like, "This is yeah, effing yeah, man. Me. This is our yeah. mascot." <laughs> They're just picked for. Well, if you you see that more and more in the book too, where they just start handing out lordships to people, and they randomly pick what'll go on their banner. You right, know? right. <clears throat> but in the, the case of the Stark, that's who they are. Like their motto is the that winter is coming, and the the wolf is their sigil. And, and you can see how pragmatic they are. Wolves. They wouldn't pick something that was just you know. They pick something that is their spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. So it, it just shows you how real they are compared to some of the other families that we see. Some of these sort of propped up nobilities where they're a real bloodline because it means something what they are. And like I said, the Lannisters are all completely fake. It's just all for show. Because even Jamie's armor is like pure gold. It's real armor, but it's like plated in gold. Like he's got to go out just all gilded and beautiful. Even though he can really fight, and he'll go out and fight the war with them, it's, there's still just that weird cosmetic element. He can really fight, but it's still sort of fake. It's like, you may fight like a lion, but you're not a lion. And then we cut back to the wall. We see John and Sam, and, and that's where 
we hear Sam's backstory, and this is straight out of the book, as to why he joined the Night's Watch, because his father essentially told him that he would murder him and pretend it was an accident. Like his father, Sam, you feel so bad he, for him. He doesn't say, I don't think, in the show, but in the book, the reason is because he actually has a younger brother who would make a better heir. So that's yeah, why they the don't say that in the show, but that's from the book. Wants him out of the way is because he wants to have that that better air. And Sam just likes he likes to read books and he likes soft things, you know. And he liked it like something. It was very um. God, you know, so weird on TV this weekend was totally unrelated. Was that as good as it gets? Movie, you know, <laughs> what I'm talking about. And it's the same story that Greg Kinnear has in that movie, which is so strange. Because he has a story that, like, he um, he was a painter, and then he, like, you know, he's gay, obviously, but he painted his mom naked sometimes, and he didn't think it was weird, and his dad found out, and he, like, beat him unconscious, and then he's like, but it's the same kind of story, like, you know what I mean? Like, his dad just totally just, like, you are worthless. It's like, you are not me, and you are different than me, and then... It's a very it's a very similar story. That's what I'm saying. Well, and you see that a lot in Game of Thrones. Right. It's such a downer, like, people who just... De- are desperate for the approval of their fathers and are met with hate. It's like, I don't know what's going on with George R. R. Martin. I wonder if there's if that's a real thread that needs to be tugged for him. But but it seems to be a common thread. In 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 a gen- more general sense, it's true. Just in in the sense of families, but it seems to be more specifically true in relationships with the fathers. Because even with the Starks, it's it's their relationship that they're with their father <clears throat> that seals their entire fate. Like whatever their story is to become is all about how they interact and trust th- their father and and decisions he makes determines what happens to them. That's where most shows are. That's like Lost when it was on all every every episode, every person, every character had some kind of weird daddy issues. Daddy issues, yeah. Even like that. to the episode, like one of those Sawyer centric episodes was like all the cowboys have daddy issues or something. That was the name of it. <laughs> I think that's I I, it's just easy to write then maybe. Well they don't do like they don't have like I don't know. I don't know why that's the case. Maybe because these men are all the, the guys writing these are men, I guess, and that's more of a kind of a. And they thing either feel like they didn't live up to their fathers, or they're old enough to have kids, and they're terrified that that's. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting thing. That's that. why we need Lynn on the show to give us <laughs> this perspective of this. But it's an interesting thing because I'm gonna stop. I gotta stop talking about these issues like this. But like, um, uh, like a a guy really does feel like a kind of a, and it just depends on the guy. But it's more of a like. There's a there's kind of an honor thing, you know. It's like, oh, is he proud of me? Is he like, am I doing what I think he, you know? Where yeah. a woman, like, I think women are closer to their mothers in a lot of ways, and more kind of there's a more best friend. And if it's not that relationship, it's more of a, you know, it might be tumultuous and they're different things, but it's a, it's probably a better relationship, you know, women have with their mothers than men might have with their fathers and what they, you know, expect of them. So there's always this kind of expectation or disappointment or. And then traditionally yeah. in this kind of world, they don't express I, their emotions. I don't know what's either. going on in this new generation because we, uh, like we said, like Justin Bieber's dad is like my age or younger, and he's just as just man, as bad as Justin Bieber. He's like the cool dad, uh, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, the, the, we may be the cool dad generation, and that may not be the best thing. But but people of my age and your age, even you know, our relationships with our fathers are are more like this, where you just 
seeking approval. You just want right. You just want your dad to be proud, and if you feel like you 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 pr- dad is proud of what you did, then you're like, well, then I, then I did all right. Yeah, that's such like, a powerful thing. Like, I mean, this is now we're getting into the deep Doctor Phil territory here, <laughs> but like, it, no matter what you do, is like if if your parents are alive and they were decent to you and you had a decent relationship with them, that's such a powerful thing. Like wanting to, you know, to win your parents' approval, even if they give you approval, even if they give you support. You know, that's like the most powerful motivator. Cause he's like, I just want them to kind of be proud of me, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. It's, I, I don't think you outgrow that. I mean, and that's what makes, I guess that's what is what makes these writers. Well, it's and that, easier for them to pour into what, that work. And, but that's, I mean, I think that's just fundamental to human existence. So it's not that you always want their approval. So that defines you either whether you want their approval or you want to defy them and show them F them. I can do this myself. Not can despite them abusing me, despite you know that defines mm-hmm. you because I mean that's you're a child and that's you know that's there's a, a magic relationship there. No, whether it's a positive one or a negative one, like the Tyrion and the Lannisters. <laughs> yeah, we get into that. You see that a little, much more later. Like the, the the Lannister dad hasn't shown up yet. But, yeah, the but Lannister situation starts to explain itself when you see their father. <laughs> Yeah, like it really just you just see it's a, it's basically just about a parenting show. Is what Game of Thrones is. Is like uh, the whatever the parents grew up, it just blows up in the face of their kids. Yeah, so it's very important. We're just trying to teach family values. Just how important it is for you to to set the right example for your kids. Because otherwise, they're just gonna end up horribly. Yeah, I mean, it is all about parenting. That's what's weird about the show. It's like a, you know, it's like a weird Western epic or something. <laughs> or like Roots or some kind of thing. Cause that, I mean, it really is about that. It's about how these people treat their kids and how they, in this show especially, it's about how these stark children, and they and they had, for all intents and purposes, they had a great childhood, right? I mean, they had loving parents. And the Starks, yeah. Yeah, but they had honor. They were- but it, it is an interesting how they all handle situations differently. They're all different. And they all kind of interpret that, and they're all completely different in a lot of ways. So it's like you see how they interpret that honor and that kind of tradition, but filter through their personality and filter through what they think is right and their age too, and what they understand at that point. Yeah, well, it's it's. I mean, it's important to note that the that the divisions really do break down on family lines. They're about different families and how they they are in conflict with each other. So. So family relationships and those interactions are very important to what's going on in the overall story. Because that's where it either prospers or breaks down. Right. I think where that's were we? And, the, and, the, like, and it's funny that the, the two best characters out of both of those, I mean, I mean, John's great, but he's a little boring, I guess, you know, I mean, if you want to talk about it, but the two best characters are the, basically the runts of those families, you know, Tyrion and Arya. Are like the two, <laughs> the best characters of those. <laughs> yeah, Arya is definitely the most fun of the Starks to watch right. because she gets she just keeps getting into the more and more interesting stuff. I guess John and, doesn't count. I mean, he's not technically a Stark. I guess so. He's a different thing, but he is a Stark. Yeah, he's a Stark. He's arguably more of a Stark than most of them, as far as his behavior is concerned. Arguably more kingly than most of them. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if 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 our theory is correct, then then we're gonna find that to be true. That's gotta be correct, man. Yeah, I just don't know anything if if that theory is not correct. 
<laughs> I'm going to give up the show. Stop talking about anything. Forget it. Just turn it off right then. <laughs> Forget it. That's the whole fear that he'll never finish these books. How old is George R. R. Martin? He's like 69 or something. He's like, he's he yeah. he's not the healthiest of I know. <laughs> Every time you see him out somewhere, like, what are you doing? You need back at, be back at home writing. Or running on the treadmill. Come on, guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I hope you have a very detailed outline. I feel like these guys would finish the show. You know what I mean? Like they would yeah. be the ones that. And they know about where it's headed. So that would be something, but yeah, he's 65. That's not too old. That's good. He's good. Yeah, we'll see. He's not, he just doesn't look like he's in the greatest of health, but he's good. So we go back to King's Landing and Ned is talking to Littlefinger and this sort of contrived scene where he's just like see everyone around you they're all spies just so you know yeah that's it <laughs> everyone's a spy everywhere all the time well that's also a, that's helping you to illustrate the world for people like that don't get it I mean it's it's so hard because a book a book you can talk spend a page explaining the whole spy network but for a show you're like what are they talking about you know you don't actually see their power it's like the Lord of the Rings seems like all the birds and the crows, every you know, every animal is his agent. So you mm. actually get an idea of what. It's like, hard to get that exposition out in dialogue because because a writer can just tell some, just deliver exposition without having to have a device. Yeah, because it's in because they already can, have. Yeah. yeah, they're already talking to you in the context of the story. It's just a conversation. The whole thing is a conversation. Littlefinger does a lot of exposition, if you notice. And maybe it's yeah, everything. It's, that's why you, you don't think of him as very much of a sinister character because it seems like his whole job is to just explain things to the audience. And there's boobs in half of the scenes. <laughs> Even later on, it's yeah. like later on in the same episode, he's the one who tells the story of the hound and the mountain, and that's like from he the tells book. Everything, the yeah. The hound told that the... story. Like that's just them giving that guy lines. Because I think it works too. Because you don't want the was... hound to say that though, because he's kind of. You like him to be stoic at this point, I think. Yeah, but I think it made sense because you could see that he's already developed a sort of weird affection for Sansa at that point in the book, which is very yeah. a very violent sort of because he's like – he just gets drunk and tells her this real intimate sort of story about how he got his scars. And then he's like, but if you tell anyone, I'll kill you. <laughs> well, that's why the – and that's why the show is me more subtle. You know what I mean? Because that's like a lot to put on people like, Jesus – at that point because it's still like every I mean there's been some craziness but at this point in the show everything's still simmering you know what I mean the nothing has happened yet nothing crazy has started to really really happen yet although speaking to our point with the maester giving him that book in this very next scene that we see Ned he's investigating the bastard so he's already picked up on the, trail, the basic yeah. of what's going on because we don't know that but when he goes and finds Gendry he's looking him up and down going that's right just like Robert. And he said, look at me. And then he looks at him and he's like, okay. But then he comes out and he said, that's his bastard. Which is weird because they wait to the end of the episode to do this rude big reveal that he's reading this book. I was like, you already realized that, did you? And that yeah, the end of this episode, I mean, yeah. why did you do this other investigation if you You're didn't? Just... Yeah. You had to be looking this kid over to see if he looked just like Robert. Otherwise, why would you go find him? So that is a bit weirdly paced to, to do, like, the end of the episode where he's like, wait a minute. What a moment. <laughs> I guess it's already... 
I guess it's a, it's just such a dumb reveal. It's like you have to read the book to go, he's blonde. <laughs> you know, it's like. Well, they do their best to try to <laughs> yeah. that to a TV audience. But yeah, again, in the book, they can just say, and then you learn this. And then you're like, oh, I see. But instead, we have to like have an exposition of him reading a book and having a way to tell someone. Yeah, I mean, you get it from what him. And it's found. like, oh, all the Brathians have black hair and he should have black hair. I guess that's the point. But I was like. That's also a false supposition because, like, well, did he marry people with blonde hair? You don't know that. They're not talking about the women, you know. So it's like maybe that's a different thing. It's it's just it's a weird ham handed. This might be we're starting to poke holes in this. I think. Yeah, this episode <laughs> may have the weakest story elements of all of them, just because that plot is so weird. Like that, it segues right into the next scene where you just have Jamie guarding the king's chamber while he's just with like three ladies just oh, to rub joy faith comes in it. up or whatever yeah yeah and they have that conversation where he's kind of a jerk to him until he realizes they fought together in that battle and then he mentions ned stark's name he's like i don't work for stark like all of a sudden it's like oh I th- okay i thought we were getting along all right, right he's like right. now that we're pad now that we're chumming around the way we are you know uh can i give you a message from ned stark like no Okay, sorry, my bad. I guess I'll leave and tell him himself. Right, right. Yeah, and then we have another, like, the last episode had a great dragon tantrum from Daenerys' brother, where, followed by a beatdown. But we see this progression, because the, the first time she learned that she had power was when he attacks her, and then the, the Dothraki intervene, because he she's their Khaleesi. Mm-hmm. And so she starts to realize, oh, holy, hold a second, I'm not anybody's slave. Well, now. yeah, I'm this a is a, this is a, this is her turning point. This whole and scene. this scene is the one yeah. where she literally lashes out at him herself. I'm the mother of the, yeah, yeah. It's like I'll cut your hands off if you touch me again. And you just see that sad, scolded look on his face, like which is so funny through. though, because I, I watched this. I just like you, I finished watching a lot of this tonight, and I, I was watching that, and it's like they cut away from the best part of that scene. Because they say that, and he's like, Ugh, and he gets all kind of defeated. But the best part of that scene with him just been like awkwardly, like, I, I guess I'm gonna leave now. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> walking like, out. Yeah, because they cut away, and it's like, well, how did that end? Because <laughs> that's the, that's the juicy part. I want to see him like yeah. skulk away. <laughs> like Napoleon Dynamite, run away from. <laughs> Yeah, it's just with the shoulders bobbing back with and forth. With the arms just hanging. Arms limply hanging. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Right. <laughs> but that's, so, I mean, yeah. that's, but in the scheme of things, even foreshadowing future stuff, I mean, that's a huge scene for her. Because before, she didn't stand up to him. Like you said, like, I mean, her, her blood riders did or whatever, but that scene is she nobody's around either they're not in there with her you know so i mean she could have gotten slapped or beaten for a little bit at least but that's her standing up to him yeah and it doesn't take much it's that's what's so funny about him just it's what a coward that he is it's like he's smacking around and she slaps back she doesn't even hit him hard it's just the audacity right right, right. she would fight back at all it's like it frightens him right and then she like invokes the title. She's like, "I'm the Khaleesi man. If I told these people to cut your hands off, you really think for a second they wouldn't do it? So, your army isn't shit. So back off. 
Yeah. Need to wrap up that gavel, B. <laughs> yeah. So Sam and John over in Castle Black have another encounter with, with Thorn. Just to prove, because they didn't have enough exposition in the show to, to tell you what a jerk-off Thorn is. So they just need that one last scene where he's like, we and the winter came and we ate each other. And we'd eat this one here. Don't worry, you're not anything. When the winter comes, you'll both die. Yeah, he's such so an ass. just to let you know that his, this isn't one of those friendly drill sergeant kind of things where he's trying to toughen them up for their own good. He is an ass. Yeah, he's... He he's, hates them and hopes they die. Right. He's a complete ass. And that, and that scene could have been like... That's an interesting scene weird because it is... Starting to see the leaks in this the ship, man. Because that could, <laughs> that could have been an interesting scene, like where he could have just explained to them, where it could have been like a one moment, like you know, bonding moment between them. Because what he says is not anything that they had, they could have had anything to do with, or like, are they doing anything that would be opposed to that? He's just explaining what happened to him, you mm-hmm. know. So it's not like it's something that they need to like they need to be defensive of it's like they had no choice they weren't born then so well he just shell shocked and trying to sell that it's like i know what real combat is you guys think you know anything and especially because he feels this weird need to compete with john right because he's just like you think you're better than me and what he's really worried about is that john may actually be better than him Oh, he knows John's better than him, probably. That's why. Yeah, that's why. If you've ever had a bad relationship with a boss or a teacher, it's probably because they realized. Oh, they're, yeah, that you're almost equal to their skill and you're like 40 years younger than they are. <laughs> why? Do they ever go into um, his backstory at all in the books? I don't remember. I mean. I don't think so. I mean, I there I are mean, more examples of how he's just a jerk, but I don't really expect remember them explaining much about who he is or where he comes from i mean because that would make a lot of sense i mean i don't know i mean if he came there like the typical way he was just kind of some scrub when he was his age so he would totally understand you know he'd totally be in that kind of frame of mind that he'd be jealous of him yeah and that's like john has no way of winning because it's that's the same situation he was in with Catelyn. It's like whatever you're mad at me about is really nothing I did. It's, and just it's by virtue of who I am, which I can't help. And it's totally unjustified because I mean, the one lesson that he needed to learn being there because he's already a good guy, you know, and he just needed to learn his place and you know just a little bit of perspective. And Tyrion already taught him that. So anything that he says to him now on, it's like he doesn't need to learn anything else. He's already like a good guy. Now he's standing up for all the people, you know that are lower you know whatever he doesn't he's, he's trying to make friends he's trying to make friends with everybody he doesn't have any kind of thing he doesn't need to be broken of anything which is you know so you you'd never understand those scenes with Thorne well that's him. we get to know a little bit too before the the confrontation with Thorne in the same scene we get to see a little bit more of John's decision to join the Night's Watch isn't just an arbitrary need to get away from the Stark so family that's when they had it's sex like talk that, too, right? The, yeah, the celibacy is a part of it for John because he says, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't lay with that whore because I was, what if I accidentally made a bastard? 
<laughs> and that's yeah. the worst thing in the world. Cause oh, that's a heartbreaking thing. Benjamin scene, said something to him earlier about that. He's like, well, wait until you've made a few bastards of your own before you make up your mind. And he's like, I'll never make a bastard. It's like, yeah, it's that's the worst such a, thing that says world. so much in that scene. It's so, it's so like, ah. Oh. Because so, he, yeah, and the you see how he's such a good kid. He, he isn't even, you know, that's it's even sadder. He's a virgin, and he's basically yeah, it's yeah. That's such a, that's so oh, yeah. That's heartbreaking. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I mean that yeah. So I, who knows? And I don't know if that's the last. Well, I don't want to get into that stuff. But Thorne is a weird character at that point because he's just to be a little bit of the conflict for him, but it never resolves in any way, I don't think. so. Well, no, he just graduates beyond him because that's what yeah. the final scene is really about. It's like it very soon you guys are going to be outside of my training and I'm going to be dealing with new recruits. And, and I understand. Just send you off to do something, and you'll fail at it because you're horrible. He's not even now trying to instruct them in a constructive. Kind Which of is kind of like does. beggars can't be choosers, guys. Man, like you have like 30 people out here, and you're just kind of like just bashing these kids that actually want to. Especially John, he volunteered for this, you know. Well, but that I mean, may be another reason. I don't know what Thorne's background is. If he was one of those people that was indentured to the service of the Watch, but that right. could be another reason to to resent him it's like you had you could have done anything and you chose this like it was just like some adventure that you could go right, on right right and that's the thing too I wa- i'm watching that again today it's like i understand his point he's like you don't want to be behind there with a sniveling boy you know or all those things those both of these episodes like you don't want to be behind the sniveling boy you want to be you want a man at your back it's like well but john seems like <laughs> sam's never going to be a man <laughs> Well, and, you know, I don't want a that's man not his talent. That's not his in skill. the back. It, yeah. Having a man at my back that I can't trust wouldn't help me. Yeah, and that's not his skill, though. I mean, everybody doesn't have to be good with a... And John sees that, so, I mean... And that proves, spoiler alert, later on, proves to be true. So, I mean... Yeah, you things. see it more and more. It's the Tyrion thing again. It's like, right. We're looking for people whose weapon is their mind. And that's true, though, because that's... I mean, I never even thought about that until right now, but, yeah, that's the lesson he learned from Tyrion, is that people have yeah, more worth than just Yeah, because Tyrion told him that. Yeah, right, Tyrion yeah. told him that was a virtue to aspire to. Right. So he hasn't quite recognized that in so Sam, it, that Sam is particularly bright, but at least he knows there's more to a person than their ability to fight. And John's not impressed with any of those guys on that level. He's like, I smoke all these guys, so what I care about, they can, they are more willing to fight, but I can, I can beat all their asses. Right. So they're all the same as Sam to me. I wouldn't want any of these guys at my back in the scrape. They suck. Yeah, and he just takes on the, uh, what the name of this episode cripples bastards and what a. Yeah, and broken things. Like yeah. it's a great line that Tyrion says. It's like. There's a soft place in my heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. And that's what it's about. It's about that that idea that, I mean... Yeah, damaged people. Yeah. And John is psychologically damaged, even though he's more capable than probably, arguably, anybody in this world. We'll get to that later. (laughs) He's emotionally destroyed, yeah, because of where he comes from. And then then we sort of segue straight from there into that that last scene with with Danny... uh, well, the last scene with Danny, it's not the last scene of the episode, but it's the last scene Danny is in, where she finally just articulates to Jorah what he has known for a while. Where he, There's a sort of a proud look in his eyes when he when she says it, where she's like, my brother could never lead that army. 
It doesn't matter if he gave him the army or not. He couldn't right. need an army. He would never win the kingdoms back for us. Which is just the door is just like I'm so hot for you right yeah. now. Yeah, because in the it was just one episode ago where they were going down and explaining that though. You know, he was explaining to him like, well, he wants to sail across. He's like, well, they'd have to sail across these things, and they had that whole conversation. So it's like within a day, she's understood. <laughs> within a couple days, she's like, come to like, oh yeah, my brother is a freaking idiot. Well, yeah. <laughs> And he flies off the handle. Like, I invited him to dinner, and he threw a shit fit. Because somebody came and told him <laughs> that it was beneath him. Yeah. And it's like, I got you this, I got you the, this uh, saddle pack or whatever. It's like a dress, like a dothraki that smells like manure. It's like, everything is so childish. This is caca, your face is poo-poo. Yeah. So for people who haven't watched the rest of the episodes, he's telegraphing his future here so just pay attention yeah yeah <laughs> well, know, it's like... clear no it's you can't tell what's going to become of this guy but it's clear that he's not going to get any better this character he's only getting beautiful. worse though i mean he's yeah, only he gets getting worse in every episode which is so, like why do you make me think when i'm trying to have sex like this lady is like she's doing her part for you She's just talking to you. Jesus. Respect the process <laughs> yeah and a lot of people probably don't do that because you're an ass and she's placating your whole idea of yourself as the dragon, which no one else patronizes you on. <laughs> yeah, she's the only person doing that at this point. So. Yeah, so cling to what you have. And where do we go? I guess the tournament. Yeah, the tournament. Is one of the last scenes of the thing. And this is from the book. This is the only scene I remember of where you actually see any of the mountain. In the in the show. In, in the yeah, book, they, they mention him a lot. More, and he yeah. still is only in flashbacks in the book, really. But even the, well. He's mentioned in some of these But he's so battles. important. He's such an important character, especially for the Hound. It's kind of a shame that they don't show more in the show. Because he is the whole reason the Hound is who he is. Wonder if they're building to that at Maybe. some point. Because we don't I like you said, we've only read the first two books. So and he's still I mean, spoiler alive in those books. So we don't know what happens, right? I mean, yeah. so he could become whatever. It's like he could be king or <laughs> I have no idea. Like I think one of the reasons besides just them wanting to give more lines to Littlefinger is I think one of the reasons that Littlefinger gets to tell this story is because I think that visually the the, the juxtaposition of, of or the interposition of, of him telling this story while we actually visually see how vicious the mountain is, is, is sort of powerful because he's he just tells her real quick the story that he should have no way of knowing. And so, you know, Gregor Clegane burned the house, yeah. the hound's face when he was a child because he was basically a psychopath, too. Yeah. And. And we'll get to we'll see a little bit more of that later well, he's on. Kind of a, yeah, and that's what's interesting about his character. Like he might have been a psychopath before that, and he's still a psychopath, but that actually changed him a little bit. You know what I mean? Like that gave because he was bullied. He is who he is again, because he was in. He is. It's the Tyrion submissive. thing again. It's it's right. the, the that that hypocrisy of nobility is well, what. Well, absolutely, because the Tyrion was tall and beautiful, like Jamie or something. And he was as smart as he is because he's smarter than everybody. It would be a lot different, you know. The game would be changed, and he could be just Hitler at that point. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. like, so, so, but it's because of their 
because they were bullied and because they were in this kind of some you know this Which position goes into the, the theme the thematic construction of the title of the episode again because it's yeah. just about and these the how, people yeah, and how and they're broken and, and what's so what's crazy and it's foreshadowing the hound because you don't even think the hound could be and they, and they tell the story but it is yeah, the, the hound finding is point just, of this thing. we just saw him hunt down a little kid and kill him right and so we're like you don't expect there to be any layers to the And he's guy. also this big grunt. He's just a henchman at this point. But he, he I mean, he becomes a great character, so Yeah, so it is interesting that they that they tell the scene in that in that moment, that they tell the story in that scene. Yeah, and that's another one of those fun surprises when you watch it again. You're like, Oh yeah, that's talking about him too. Yeah. And the other thing that we see over transposed over this this narrative is we just see Clegane just callously murder somebody in the joust. Which also Sir Hugh goes down with with no real fight. Is this the thing where he does the horse thing or is that later? That must be later. Okay. Because that's when I didn't see, a, I didn't see when, that this I scene. can't remember if it's in the show or not, but the, he has a joust during the tournament, he has a joust with the Knight of Flowers and that's what Okay, that's when about. he does it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. this is like very early on. This is cuz this happens in the book too to show that the the true cost of these these tournaments. Okay. And what absolutely what happens right, is the hound does this stuff later Sir on. Hugh okay. of the Vale just takes a shattered Jousting, but stick. that's also the. I mean, Lance. Well, that's, <laughs> Lance. well, that's part of this episode. We didn't to mention the net. that. We yeah, didn't mention that because the Hugh of the Vale was John Aaron's squire, and the implication yeah. is that he's the one that might have poisoned him, right? That he was close enough to do something to him, right? Or knew about it at least, or put him in the position to do that. And so the fact that they start to question him, and then he gets killed, is very suspicious. Well, he's at this dead. Point. So that's just another loot dead end. And the mountain is just in service of the Lannisters, right? So, I mean, so you start to, well, well, that's an interesting thing that he got killed immediately. Why would he kill him in this yeah, tournament? Maybe. It's supposed to be fun, you know. But w- within the context of the story that we're seeing here, it's also Sansa just getting a taste of. Cause, and this is something you can't see as much in the show, but that that's told through Sansa's point of view. Is Yeah, it's a Sansa chapter. Thing. So she's just enamored of the tournament. That's everything she's ever fantasized about. Like, right. as far as courtly life is concerned, she just loved it. And she fell in love with the Night of Flowers and, and everybody, you know? And then right. all of a sudden, this just horrific thing happens right in front of her, just like that. Does the Night of Flowers appear in this episode? I don't think so. I didn't see him. Well, I'll just say before we even get to that, before I forget to say it, it's so cool that he appears and he doesn't even appear. He's, he's a character in two seasons from now. But he's just that actor actually is in this season, you know. That's kind of cool, I think. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we need you for five minutes, <laughs> and then we're gonna need you three years from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if the show's still on, we'll need you. If not, then here's your check. Yeah. So they, so Littlefinger tells a story, and the next scene is with uh, Catelyn. They're making their way back to Winterfell. Yeah, the next scene is the final scene, and it, and it's a, a fairly it's a great long scene. scene. And it's, it's, it's right it's right out of the book again. This is this happens What's the exactly first in the book. Stand up scene at the end of an episode where you're like, holy hell! We're like, here yeah, we go. Yeah, because you don't know either. That I mean, we know that she suspects that Tyrion, so you know that something bad's going on when Tyrion shows up at the same hotel and discovers her because at first she was like hiding from him and then suddenly she just gets this this resolve of like you know what 
we're What's far it? we're close enough to home people this, here are yeah. loyal to me the show does it such a great job though because it's showing two things showing how perceptive and smart he is still but also how loyal the people are to the starks and how that'll play into later yeah. on and know? the tullys a lot of that yeah is yeah exactly people who are, yeah. who are which which doubly plays on later on we'll see <laughs> so yeah it just gets weirder and weirder <laughs> but yeah so that's the good because then you don't know what's going on because like i said what you really want at the start of the show is you want to see Tyrion and the starks get along you're wanting to see that alliance because like these guys are good guys and he's a good guy and if any two that's a tragedy of the whole show if any two good guys could get together for five well, seconds well, the thing about it is you feel like problem. yeah and you feel like he could relate to at least the smart ones i mean he, i don't think he talked to Arya at all but he has a relationship with john he has a relationship with bran so yeah they have reason to like him right so you degree. feel like they could someday kindle something yeah, and it's hard to say because as as those loyalties are solidified, like some of the, the some of those uh, options are closing. It's like, well, actually, at this point, there's no future in any of these characters ever getting along. They're too far too far down that road. Right. <laughs> this is such a hard show to do at this point because I don't know where we are in time. <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, at least we're done. So, well, well the episode ends and they do their big. She does the big speech and they, they, you know, they all turn yeah. their swords on Tyrion. So that's right. This is really like that's this is what's going to catalyze the whole rest of the story because at this point everyone had their suspicions and they were doing things quietly, and then she screws it all up by just seizing this moment without yeah. really thinking about what she's going to do. This is where we really were saying earlier about how you know how Catelyn. She'll she just acts. make decisions without thinking of the strategy of it. She reacts to things. And this is the shot heard around the world in this, as far as oh, this yeah. whole story this, goes. Yeah, this puts everything in motion. Right. Because the Lannisters, yeah, they don't even have to like each other, but they're going to defend the family just because they don't want, they want the, they've got to protect the brand. Right. Because you have to know that you never mess with a Lannister. Yeah, always pay their debts. Yeah. And so that's the way they do, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Tyrion or anybody else. It's like if, if something happens to him, we have to respond with as much force as necessary to let people know that, that is unacceptable. So we know something something's on the horizon now because she did this. Like there's no telling at this point what it's going to be. It's like, oh, shit. Because she's like doing it in the king's name and all this fancy stuff. It's like, what? I don't think it's going to happen. When it's you exciting. the queen's brother in the king's name to bring him to justice. And it's exciting, but you still feel like, yeah, that's pretty dumb, though. Because oh, yeah. they're there. They're, they're in the, you know, the lion's den, basically. Yeah, and it's going to go terribly. We know that as well. And that's, I mean, what we think is the worst is going to happen could happen, and it might just happen <laughs> if you've seen the shows. So it's like it, it's an interesting thing because I mean you could say she's the she's the blame at all I don't know <laughs> like what like here's an interesting thing I mean this might be a spoiler all right we're at the end of the episode we're going to spoilers so if you're for some dumb reason you've listened to the show and you haven't listened to the rest of the show we're gonna go into total spoilers so what <laughs> it's an interesting to think about like what would where would Ned's story have taken him you know. Because I mean, later on he tells he tells um, Cersei, 
that he found out and he's going to tell the king. But she was also already primed and crazy because, you know, Tyrion had been captured. So, I mean, maybe she would have been caught by surprise. Do you think she would have been ready to do all the stuff that she did? You know, all that stuff happened with Littlefinger and the betrayal just because Tyrion, you know, they are ready to go to war, almost. So, but if he had totally caught her by surprise and none of that other stuff would happen, like, what do you think would have happened? You know, they, she wouldn't have been ready to, like, turn over all those, the, you know, the, the King's Guard and stuff. So he might have actually won in a way. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, it is, this represents one of many bad judgment calls by the Starks. <laughs> yeah, the first of many. <laughs> yeah, because every time, because Catelyn's acting erratically out of emotion, but Ned acts out of his pure sense of honor. Right. And and with even more disastrous results we'll see later on. But it but it's interesting how much I mean, she's priming Ned to get killed, basically, because I mean, She's pushing it, him in that position because now well, things well, are tense. The, when the, like he's like, I might have been able to negotiate, but now we've already sort of defined that sort of hostility. Yeah, right. And then that's the fact that they I mean, now Cersei and all those people, like I don't know what how that whole timeline went down where he tried to get the gold cloaks and Littlefinger like at some point Cersei talked to Littlefinger and got the gold cloaks to, you know, say, You're gonna go with him, but you're gonna go with us. But that must have happened after she caught captured Tyrion because they're like, Oh, we're at war now. Yeah. Like that only happened because of that. Hang on just a second. Sean is releasing his spirit animal out into the wild to go frolic and roam into the far reaches of the realm. Yeah, and what's unfortunate about all of that... I gave a speech about your spirit animal. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas is your spirit animal. (laughs) <laughs> That's actually probably true. Yeah. But that goes down. What happens to them is this is the same tragedy of everything that's going on in the show, which is just inability of characters to form the alliances that should be happening, and it, and it's all just bad judgment. It's like, why does she trust what Littlefinger says? She has no reason to, and Ned has even less reason to. And so yeah, a lot man. of what they do, even like like I said, you know, you don't get into the gold cloaks. Well, I get we're deep into spoiler territory. Yeah, anyway, we're in spoiler territory right now. By the time he's at that point, he needed Littlefinger on his side. And if he had <clears throat> realized that there was no way that was going to happen, then he might have been he might have been a lot more careful. Yeah, but I mean, they just it, do all the wrong things. I mean, it really does feel like they're podunks or whatever in the situation. They, they are. They have. They're yeah. not prepared. That's what she's like. Like Cersei ends up telling him, "Is if you're gonna play the Game of Thrones, you have to play it you to know? win. Yeah, you don't play it to be and honorable. That, yeah, yeah. You that means you seize the throne. It's like Ned already can't play that game. It's like because you had a, you had access to the throne, and you won it for someone else. Right. So. That already puts you at a disadvantage in this situation because so, everyone else in the room, like when Littlefinger's talking to him in, in this episode, and he says, "Do you have someone you trust completely?" and Ned says, "Yes." He's like, "Well, a wise man would have said no." Yeah, and then he says, "Like, 
I was mistaken to it. I should have trusted you. He's like, not trusting me is the smartest thing you did. Since That's you got the off your funniest horse. line yeah. because nothing yeah. could be truer. Right. It's like he delights in telling him that to his face. Right. Because he knows that Ned's sense of honor still makes him trust him because and he's I don't even, helping them. And I don't even think at that point he's re- like he knows what's going to happen. You know what I mean? I don't even think he's talked to Cersei or something. He just knows he'll do whatever it takes to take them down. Like, what do you think Catelyn could have done, actually? Like, would she just have followed him out of the inn and kind of taken him in secret? I mean, that could have been a good idea. Well, I think it would have been smarter. You know, to be honest, the smartest thing they could have done was confront Tyrion about what had been been told to them. And he would have explained it, I guess, you know. Yeah, now she was – and they were in a perfect position to do that because they were out in the wild. She couldn't go into King's Landing and accuse Tyrion because that would bring the whole thing and the John Aaron stuff all way too much out in the open. And right. they're already afraid of being executed for treason for this stuff. But she could have confronted him out there just in the wild and heard his side of the story without accusing him of anything. And had the opportunity to gain Tyrion as as an ally and had the, the the deniability of saying, well, I did, you know, we were just talking. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Anything. And I think he could have convinced her. If they, I mean, if you sit down with Tyrion, he probably could convince you. Yeah, because <laughs> it's know. idiotic. It's like, why would I send an assassin to kill somebody with a knife that I won from someone publicly? That, that would have been interesting. clearly identifiable as my own. That why could would actually I do that? turned him on them. You know what I mean? In a weird way. Yeah. It would have won them some points, but that trusting the wrong people and distrusting the wrong people is really what, what led to their downfall in a lot of this stuff. Right. So that's interesting. I mean, there might have been a different show, I guess, and it wouldn't have kicked off. Because this is the first episode where it goes, boom, well, here's the powder keg. Let's go. Every now and then a show will do that where they have like a reveal and – they'll actually go with it that way. Like, we're not going to drag this out. We're going to go ahead and get it out in the open and talk about it. And you're like, oh, wow, that's impressive. But most of the time, even on a show as good as Game of Thrones, it's like the characters are bound to do something dumb. Based on how... What I like about Game of Thrones as a character piece is it's always based on their own personal experiences. It's not randomly dumb. It's just just a tragic character flaw because of something that's already happened to them that made them believe they had to behave a certain way. And you could say like that in her case, like she knew Littlefinger, so she wanted to believe that he would help her, even if he wasn't a good person. She wanted to believe that he would do anything to help her because they had a friendship. Yeah, and that's her suburban malaise or whatever. In that situation, yeah, and where Ned trusted him through her, right? So that that's where that all broke down. Well, and the more you watch this first season, you realize how simple Ned kind of is <laughs> in a lot of ways. He's so, I mean, even this, just that scene where he's like, well, I should have trusted you. I was like, what are you talking about? He just told you two things that could have been a lie. You have no idea what he's yeah. saying right now. And one of the things he told you is that he has people who are spying on you. Yeah, he's so, I mean, he is so unsavvy in a lot of ways in this first season. <laughs> He's just season. not used to the level of mendacity that is being represented in King's Landing. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he comes from a just simpler play. And I don't think he's dumb. And he shows that he's not dumb later on. But, like, he just feels... 
he just is not ready for all this stuff. It's, He's always one step behind the curve when it comes to just how wicked people will be. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you live your life by honor. You expect things to happen, and that's totally, and that's his fatal flaw. And it is his, literally his fatal flaw mm-hmm. that he lives by honor. And But it, ironically enough, he, you know, he ends by breaking his fatal flaw by, you know, you know, confessing to something he didn't do. So, well, that's the tragedy of all. Yeah. It's like too late. Like that. I mean, we we're definitely giving away something, but we've already well, it's a spoiler. We've, yeah, we've spoilered. We're in spoiler territories. But spoilies. But the saddest part of all is that varies is the one that convinces him, believing that that's the wise course of action. That this is the one way you stay in the game, and you have to do it. And, and surprising and enough, he believes him. The first time that he should have trusted someone and did was that. Right. Because what Various told him exactly what Various believed was true. And Various, I mean, surprisingly, even through this third season, he's a good guy. Yeah, he actually wants what's like, best. And the around. nasty thing he did in the last season where he killed that totally is justifiable. Some guy that cut his balls off and put him into some... You know, oh, yeah. ritual fire. It's like, yeah, you should kill that motherfucker. It's like, that just shows you that, yeah, yeah he, <laughs> that he's not to be messed with. Yeah, but he it's like he's do that to a guy. But he's like a protagonist. I mean, every, I like Varys a lot because you you feel like he he all he is protective of the realm and everything. He hasn't done anything that's been. Dis- I mean, can I? I mean, I always like bad characters, I guess. But has he done anything that's actually bad though? Ever? I don't. I don't think so. There was one thing that, that he was involved in, I can't remember what. I guess it'll come up in later episodes that made me wonder what his motivations were in that. But I can't think of it. Off the top of my head, I can't think of but it. But even like compared to Jamie, who I also like, he, he hasn't done Jamie bad stuff. Like no. He hasn't done bad stuff. Like he, he, I mean, he was the only person telling, talking to Ned at that point. And he's the only person telling him what the right thing to do. And it was a smart thing to do. Because if he had gone up there and said, no, I didn't do this, they would have just cut off his head no matter what. But he, that was his only chance. Yeah, is to throw yourself at the mercy of the court. But, and, but that was the first. It just happened to be the one situation where he just he was telling him right and according to what he believed. He just happened to be wrong. We just didn't know... Oh, Everybody underestimated and no one Joffrey. saw that coming. Yeah, Everybody no one saw that coming. Joffrey, even yeah. even the, even Cersei was willing yeah. to accept that. She was but, fine. But yeah, with it, yeah. But we'll get to all that. Yeah, even well, spoiler territory. We we've we've covered that. Well, this but this is what the spoiler territory is for is what this stuff is starting to show. It's like that that I mean we'll we'll talk about the same scenes over and over again until the end of the season until they happen. But it's interesting to see that this this is the. This is a pivotal episode. This third season is a powder keg episode of this whole series because it, 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 it's all exposition up to this point. And then Especially this point, where it ends because, yeah, we, yeah, there's no more screwing around. By the time she takes Tyrion, the story has happened. It's yeah. like there's, there's and, no going back. But across – I mean even stuff that have, is unrelated. It's, in this episode, what happens is Daenerys is pregnant. Oh, that's the last episode. But she's pregnant. And she totally stands up to her brother, which leaves the ball in his court to see what happens next. Yeah, everything's getting set into motion now. Nobody's, yeah. like, messing around. So you want to so see what like happens it. to him. You want to see what happens to the Lannisters. Ned has all this information about the bastard, so it's like it, it's going now at this point. And so it's interesting. This is the turning point of this entire series. This is 
So we'll see what happens. We know what happens. Yeah, four it's episodes in. Three episodes in. That was four now. One. Yeah, four. Yeah, we did four now. Screw me. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. This is hard so, to keep track So we get more stuff coming. Yeah, we're just going to get through this. Well, the good thing is I haven't watched rewatched for the fourth time the fifth or sixth. So yeah, me either. So we'll try to do we'll try to do them fresher and get them out. It's right. been it's been kind of tumultuous. We're trying to get a recording schedule back, and we've done really well to well, get. The problem is, I did this first couple, two or three, and then I was like, oh, I gotta watch the fourth. I started and I fell asleep, but because they're addictive, man, they're still just as good. They're so classic. Oh they yeah, they really are. It's a fun show. It, everything that happens in it is horrible, but it's a fun show to watch. But it's, it's a show we're gonna go back to. It's like a Firefly kind of show. Oh yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. These retrospectives give me the opportunity to pick them all up on Blu-ray and add them to my collection. I might start doing that. All right. Well, okay. So we'll we'll take them as we go and get through the rest of season one. And, and we might need to mainline some like three or four oh, episodes Lord. on a Saturday so afternoon sick. or something. We'll yeah. Drunken game. Drunken Thrones. <laughs> drunken Thrones. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I've I've done the Drunken Throne before. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, all right, you can listen to more episodes of TV on the Throne and our, our main show, TV at My Dinner, at tv8mydinner.com. Uh, you can like TV at My Dinner on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Doink us on Dweebler, plus us on the Googles. And. Uh, throwing us on the Thrones. Yeah, throwing us on the Throne. Throndle. <laughs> Throndle. Throndle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're on throne to fast. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, like, we're on the sigil book. <laughs> sigil, sigil book. <laughs> so yeah, so we're out there and um, we'll what's, have our, what's more, our house motto? Yeah. TV at my dinner. <laughs> yeah. We need to come up with a house motto. I can't believe we probably have one and we can't remember it. <laughs> Something better than I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Or like the Tyrells. That's that's Brooks's house motto. That's not that I'm just saying. house motto. Yeah, we'll come up with something better. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll workshop that on the Facebook so you guys can come in with your suggestions for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us your suggestions for the TV at my dinner house motto. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, uh, my name is Sean, and I'm Andrew, and we'll talk to you later. And we are thrones. We are thrones. Game is on Throndle. Throndle. Dog crazy.